Alright, and welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares some of our own winners in pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, riding solo once again, but back on that Raw vs. Nitro timeline, and I'm really keen to sort of plow on and try and stick to this quite a bit in the upcoming weeks and months, because I've really missed it in the time that I've not had access, and I now have access to all the Raw and all the Nitros from the era all the WWF pay-per-views, and just today I have found a way to, at the very least on my phone, watch the WCW pay-per-views. So I'm going to try and, you know, get that screen from a phone to an iPad or an iPad to a laptop, laptop to a TV or something like that and make it more enjoyable. But I'm now going to try and plow through as much of 96 as possible. Um, got a couple of shows coming in the next couple of weeks um, with a little deviation for a bit of Hogan Knows Best and maybe season two of Young Rock. But I'm really keen to get as much of this 96 done as possible because I actually just want to watch 97 and 98 WWF and WCW. So um, no more rambling. We are in October 1996, October 7 to be precise. Nitro, as usual, kicks Raw's ass. It's a 3.5 to a 2.1. But that doesn't necessarily tell you which show was more enjoyable. Uh, The NWO storyline is starting to, for me, find a little bit of clunkiness about it with too many members and too much stuff. Um, I'm sure there's lots more big moments and good stuff to come. But I find it surprising that sort of a couple of months in, it was getting some moments where I'm like, oh, it's a bit too much. I don't like this ending. I've seen it all before. Because it runs hot for like, what, another year, year and a half, I guess, from here. So... Yeah, interesting to see whether or not it sort of has little lulls and then jumps back up and is great again, or if like that initial forming and the first few members was the best part of it. So let's find out. This week I watched Raw first. Um, Let's go and check out what Raw had to offer as we head towards Buried Alive. The World Wrestling Federation. For over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. Last week, the monstrous Vader continued his domination over the WWF champion. Tonight, Vader is here, and his message is clear. He wants Sean's title. Marlena and Goldust have mastered the battle within the mind of their opponents. Tonight, they face a man who's already lost his mind, and he's not really looking for it. Stop the music. It's the real Double J, with details on a musical scandal that rocked the World Wrestling Federation. I can't wait to be alone with my baby tonight, Jeff Feature Harder. You would have heard there the recap from last week and the splice of what's to come. So we're going to see Sid versus Goldust. And we're also going to find out from the real Double J about the musical scandal of a year ago that no one really cared about the resolution for. So buckle in because that's going to be a wild ride. On commentary, we've got Jerry Lawler and Kevin Kelly. No JR, which I find um, a little bit head scratching at this point. And we open up with Mark Miro coming out with Sable to take on the fake Diesel. JR comes out with Diesel, and that explains where he was. He then joins the commentary team, and I can stop scratching my head now because we have an answer for it. Diesel um, really impresses Jim Cornette here when he hits his big knees, corner strikes, and the hair flick. In other words, three of his five moves. Miro comes back with a drop kick, a plancher, a slingshot splash for a two count. 
Diesel with a press slam into a hot shot, which is quite cool, and a big boot. We go picture in picture with Razor Ramon, and I'll splice this one in for you here. Like what you see tonight in, 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 in Diesel. What do you think? Yeah, man. Big Daddy Cool is doing all right, Chico. But I think I'm going to take a closer look. What does he mean, take a closer look? He's got a monitor right there. Hey, if he comes out here now, Mark Merrill's in big trouble. So as far as impersonations of Scott Hall impersonating Scarface go, that one's not too bad. He didn't do... I don't think the accent was all the way there, but the cadence was definitely pretty good. Um, we get a clothesline and a slam from Diesel. Razor does come out. A big head scissors from Miro and a knee lift. A clothesline uh, to, sends Diesel to the floor. A somersault plancher onto Razor. Then Razor comes in and we get a disqualica disqualification finish as the heels beat on Miro two on one. Segment ends with that classic jackknife powerbomb and diesel music to play us out. And we head over to the graveyard for an Undertaker promo. Um, if you're listening to the next couple of episodes with um, Raw, you're going to strap yourself in for some of these graveyard promos because they made the most of that night shooting permit in this graveyard. Oh, my God. Um, we get a Sid promo on Goldust. And then we shill some denim shirts, which both companies just seem to have found the gold mine that is denim shirts with prints on the back. So here we've got Undertaker. Taker, Bret Hart, and HBK denim shirts, all for the low, low price of $49 plus $7 shipping and handling in 1996 money. Um, it's going to run you about 15 grand. From there, we go to a vignette for Mr. Perfect, rehashing some of his old vignettes into like a new recycled one, I guess. And then it's time for the new Rockers versus the Smoking Guns. PlayStation sponsors Raw, and we have Sonny on the phone coming up soon as well. That should be good. Picture in picture during the entrances, the guns um, basically do a pre-tape. They want the titles and Sonny back. Sonny on the phone says that if they win the belt, she might take them back. Uh, it's a bit of a bit of a saga, this one. This is a 95 story, um, really dragging into 96 for my money. Um, she rambles a bit while Billy and Marty Jannetty battle to absolutely no heat from the crowd. Double team on Bart from the Rockers. Lawler says that JR has the talent relations job, which I, again, like some of this stuff that I've seen on these 96 Raws where they're talking about backstage roles and whatnot, um, really interesting. There'll be some more of that on the next episode as well um, as a, a name drop of someone that I can't recall ever hearing before this on TV comes up. Um, they don't call it the talent relations job either, by the way. I can't remember exactly what the terminology that Lawley used, but it gets brought up that he's basically, you know, head of recruitment and talent. We get a belly-to-belly -belly from Leaf Cassidy, and then Lawler tells us that Jake Roberts has fallen off the wagon, and Marty Jannetty fish drop gets a two-count. Both teams um, are cheating, but nobody cares because there's no one to really cheer for. The guns hit a poetry in motion variation. Um, if we had faces, this would have actually been a good match because it's not bad work, and the guns finish it off with the sidewinder for the one, two, three. We're now going to head into the studio where the roadie is singing and Todd Pettengale is breaking the scandal of the summer. Um, I'm not sure why this needs to get brought up. Um, roadie, by the way, is with Jim Johnson in the studio. And I'm going to just give you a little piece of this here and tell me if you think this really added any value to the show whatsoever.
Sound familiar? That's the real Double J, Jesse James, being reunited with his real collaborator, Jim Johnston. They're the duo who should have received credit for the hit song, With My Baby Tonight. By now, you've seen and heard the proof that Jeff Jarrett's claims to have sung With My Baby Tonight were a lie. Not only was he lip-syncing that night, but Jarrett's entire musical career was a hoax. It's been almost 15 months since Jarrett slithered away from the spotlight in shame. But the questions as to what went on behind the scenes that night in Nashville have just begun. For over a year, World Wrestling Federation officials have been trying to get to the bottom of this scandal. Thus far, Jeff Jarrett has refused comment. But now, after 15 months, the real Double J has finally come forward. We're here. <laughs> Working again. Yeah. Yeah, they sure did call me. And they asked me, hey, you know, uh, we're not quite sure what to think about all this. They wanted the story, you know, as well as everybody did. What, what happened? What's going on here? They wanted the story, and they wanted to know if, if I was still loyal to Jeff or if I was still you know, good friends with Jeff. Well, I don't hate Jeff Jarrett. I don't. He took me, he took me further than I had gotten, but I took him further than he'll ever be. And that's the truth. He, he's not he, the world's greatest entertainer. <laughs> he's, he's not even close to being a good entertainer. He can't dance. He can't sing. And like I said, that's not me being cocky. That's me being honest. He cannot do these things. And that's, that's not, that's not, uh, that's not saying that I can but I think I can. God gives people talent. You know, you don't, just, you don't just run out at the Blue Light Special and buy a voice and buy rhythm. You don't just do that. So how did Double J Jeff Jarrett feel after his so-called live performance that night? Oh, he felt great. He was on top of the world. We hadn't uh, yet gotten into the ring against Shawn Michaels. He had just, this was the tip, I mean, this was the beginning of the, of the end, actually, but it was the beginning of his perfect night. A victory over Shawn Michaels was supposed to cap off Jeff Jarrett's so-called perfect night. You watch. He signals to me, the foot. Pull the foot. Well, we've done it a bazillion times. We beat everybody by doing everything, double team, because he couldn't do it by himself. So when I was listening to that, two things really jumped out at me. 15 months. 15 months. Does anybody give a shit? This was not a hot angle 15 months ago. Nobody has thought about it since. I can promise you that. I know we're doing this to sabotage Jeff Jarrett's debut over on the other channel, but he's not going to move the needle. Um, just let him go and don't bother. They're actually making him a bigger star by having him spotlighted on both shows. And secondly, the real Double J, Jim Johnston. Why not? I think it fits perfectly. All right. We then go back to the ring and JR brings out Jim Cornette and Vader. Um, Jim Cornette thanks him for the help and the other commentators, Lawler and Kelly, wonder what he's been talking about. But, you know, no surprise after they talked about him being in talent relations earlier. Vader's going to take on Sid and the winner gets a title shot against Shawn Michaels. Great Cornette promo here where he's pissed off that they even have to go through that after he's beaten him down at SummerSlam and beaten him on Raw in the tag match recently. Next matchup is the Sultan taking on Aldo Montoya. The Sultan comes out with Backlund and the Iron Sheik. Backlund joins commentary, and this is a mess. I have no idea what he's talking about through any of this, and he's wearing sunglasses. It's, um, yeah, he's he, he seems high as a kite here. Um, we're going to see Austin and Sean next week, which should be good. 
We get an Aldo Montoya drop kick and then a headbutt from the Sultan and a belly to belly. The crowd again do not give a shit. Backland is going mental on commentary. Like, I actually can't really describe this. Um, I'm just going to put a little bit of it in. But what I will say, the sunglasses are revealed later on to be those over-the-top sunglasses that you wear over your prescription specs. I've worked in the optical industry for a long time, and it's really just senior citizens that can't afford a pair of nice sunglasses that wear these. So um, Bob Backland just makes himself look a total tit here. Check it out for a sec. Pointing my finger at you, sir. Belly to belly suplex from the Sultan. Don't look at me. Uh, uh, King, uh, care to comment about Mr. Backlund's uh, eyewear? Well, obviously, Bob's future is so bright. Mr. He's got to wear Backlund, Mr. King. Okay, Mr. Backlund's future is so bright. Be He's got to wear sunglasses at night. No, that's not why I got him on. Why you got him on? Oh, my. Because the WWF has insisted that I wear these. For what reason would you be wearing sunglasses? Because the people, the plebeians, don't like me scrutinizing them. And they want me to cover up my eyes. Do they help? They you? don't want me to tell them that they shouldn't take drugs anymore. Do they help in driving, you got sir? That or swearing to me. What a clothesline. You but saw us think that I'm still not going to scoot them because all I got to do is lift them up and I can look you directly in the face and tell you that you're a weak individual. And wow. he's going to be the new champion and make you just in case you were wondering, I am not exaggerating. Backland is fucking mental. <laughs> what is going on here? It's um, it's brilliant and horrendous all at the same time. Um, anywho, the match ends up with a back suplex and a camel clutch for Sultan to pick up the win. We then go and get a few more bucks out of our graveyard promo. It's Mankind and Paul Bearer this time. I find it fascinating that for weeks they've each do promos in the exact same empty grave in the same graveyard. Like, did they have to take turns? It's like, I can't remember what, was it a SummerSlam? maybe where um jimmy garvin jimmy garvin ron ronnie garvin is being interviewed and um heenan just walks into ronnie garvin wanders out like i get vibes of this with undertaker waiting patiently for mankind to finish in the empty grave so that he can jump in and have a chat um nonetheless we move on slam of the week mr perfect um a bunch of perfect plexes from previous history um, and we look at, again, PlayStation and Crash Bandicoot to really date this one nicely as we go to commercial. It's then time for our main event, Sid versus Goldust, and Sid is over as fuck. I actually watched his entrance twice. It was that cool. Um, sorry, as a dog barks in the background. <laughs> Some real high-quality professional audio here. Sid is over as all hell. When the match gets started, we have a big clothesline from Goldust. Um, Sid with an inverted atomic and a couple of clotheslines of his own. HPK's on the phone and he's worried about Sid and Vader. We get a face buster from Goldust. Um, and this actually feels like a, a much better match than what the previous few have been. So, you know, at, at least we're, we're getting ending Raw on a high note here. Cornette comes out. Goldust with a power slam for a two. We get a commercial. Go to commercial, sorry. And then we come back and Sid hits a big choke slam and a power bomb for the one, two, three. Vader comes out after the match and slams him and hits a splash from the second rope, which Sid completely no-sells and choke slams Vader to end of the show. So largely this was a 
pretty average raw um bar some absolute craziness from um bob backland but the main event really delivered and i am hyped up to see sid and vader now and i can't say that's a match that i've ever dreamt of watching previously so if nothing else raw definitely um got one of the sort of either the second or probably the third um the third biggest story, although I don't think Sean defends the title at the pay-per-view, so maybe it is the second biggest story. That They got that over in my eyes, at least, and I imagine a lot of people were excited for Sid at this point in time, judging by the entrance and how over with the crowd he was here. Anywho, that will do it for the first portion of the show. We're going to head out to halftime and then come back with Nitro. When you rhyme, it's halftime. This week for halftime, I thought I'd hit you with my 10 favorite wrestling theme songs. Um, No particular order, and I'm going to give special mention to a couple before we start, and that's Edge's Rob Zombie theme song, uh, the Ultimate Warrior theme theme song, the original Degeneration X theme song, and the Mark Henry... um, somebody gonna get the ass kicked three six mafia theme song um but my 10 favorites in no particular order um i love batista's um i walk alone great track um kane when it was his um slow chemical theme song really loved that one um from the um was it a, not aggression it was from the forcible entry album as well um the benoit our lady peace version that was really cool Undertaker's rolling. I know Limp Biscuit are not in vogue anymore, but at the time that track was an absolute banger and it fit Taker's biker character so perfectly. John Cena's basic thugonomics can still listen to that to this day easily. Way better than his second theme song, um, or he's, he's the one that he still uses to this day. The 98 Undertaker electric guitar version of his classic theme song just wasn't around for long, but a real banger version. Um, the most modern one on the list, Jericho's Fozzy um, theme, the Judas song. Love it. Love that track. Don't watch AEW really, but do love that track. Um, the Degeneration X Kings of Rock by Run DMC. Mixing up some of my favorite things here. Wrestling, one of my favorite groups, and hip-hop. CM Punk's Cult of Personality. And then finally, Enter Sandman for the Sandman. So just some banger themes that always get me in the mood that I can listen to in the car as well as enjoying on a wrestling show. And that probably made up, you know, the majority of the list there of songs that I could play. And everyone would just think I'm playing a song. You don't have to explain why you're listening to wrestling themes in the car, etc., etc. That'll do it for halftime. If I missed anything or there's anything where you're like, oh, you know, listening to you over the years, Lee, I would have thought you liked this. Please feel free to send them my way. My memory is shot. So um, that is what it is for this week. And back to the regularly scheduled program. Elizabeth 
She is apparently very distraught, but a lot of questions need to be answered. What do you mean she's apparently distraught? It's obvious she's with the New World Order. She's sitting in the middle of the lion's den, movie contracts on her lap, Hollywood Hulk Hogan offering her parts of the movie. We saw it. What do you mean? No controversy as far as I'm concerned. She's in the New World Order. There's a lot more to that story, though. Let's take a look at the footage as it happened a week ago. As you can hear there, we're still talking about Liz and where her allegiances lie as we enter the show. We then do kick off in-ring with Harlem Heat, uh, the tag champs, taking on Public Enemy. Um, Heat won their titles back on Saturday night, which I had to look up on Wikipedia, so no thanks to the commentary team for keeping me in the loop as to what's going on here. Um, we get a bit of a brawling start, but at least it's in the ring as we go out to commercial. We see Liz backstage trying to talk to Macho Man. He's having none of it. Booker T with a nice sidekick for a two, and Sherry gets in some cheap shots. Um, it's been all Harlem Heat early, um, and they're all, all over Rocco Rock. The NWO are in the crowd, and they cut a bit of an average promo, which goes to split screen. It didn't really work, and, you know, I've complained loudly enough about the split screen during public enemy matches, and this one wasn't even for some cool brawling. But have a listen and tell me if you disagree. Some of the outsiders, Chico, you're gonna get it. Yeah, in a couple of weeks, Slim Jim Halloween Havoc, we're gonna snap into them belts of yours. This Halloween Havoc, Chico, it's gonna be awful scary. You know, I know why they wear these things on their nose now, because I can smell the fear. Your heat, the time is running. But don't forget, boys, you can smell the fear, but I can smell the money and those belts. Hey, heat, Halloween Havoc, it's going to get real, real hot. Sherry, um is distracting as Colonel Robert Parker pushes Rocco Rock off the top to the floor and then Stevie Ray uses a chair on Johnny Grunge's knee and we get a knee drop to the chair off the top from Booker T for the one, two, three. We then see Jeff Jarrett come in in a limo um, and we head on over to Nick Patrick on Saturday night um, asking for a $1 million fine to be levied to the Macho Man. At first, it was like he was fining him, but um, eventually like we find out that like he's not the one able to make the fines and it's going to have to go to Bischoff. Um, the commentary teams are like, I don't think he can do this, but it's not really clear here. We then go to DDP taking on Jim Powers. They exchange some arm locks early, and Jim Powers hits a nice shoulder block and explodes for a non-existent pop. Um, It's not 87 anymore right now. I'm sorry. You can't just do one basic move and think the crowd's going to go wild. DDP gets an inset promo on Eddie Guerrero, calling him Burrito Boy. Damon Dallas recorded before the match here tonight. Let's listen in to DDP. Hey, Eddie. Oh, Eddie. Yeah, I'm talking to you, burrito boy. Take a good look. See the butt kicking that's happening right now. Because that's what DDP's got in store for you. I don't care if you recuperated from the diamond cutting I put on you with the Clash of Champions. Halloween Havoc, burrito boy. DDP's gonna put something on you that Ajax won't take off. Bang! 
So yeah, DDP still figuring it out. He's getting closer and closer, um, but not all the way there yet. He slaps Jim Powers. Jim Powers comes back with a crossbody for a two, but then DDP out of nowhere hits that diamond cutter for the one, two, three, and the commentary team really sell how many different ways he can hit it. Uh, he seems to be hitting it in a new, new and unique way every episode right now, which is kind of cool. We go to Mike Tanay with the Macho Man and the Slim Jim car driver. Um, they brag about beating the NWO car. Liz comes out and Macho storms off. Um, the, the car stuff I can do without, but the Liz and Macho stuff has got a bit of drama behind it, and I don't mind that. We then go to High Voltage versus the Faces of Fear. Um, Meng's hit some nice chops early, and the commentary team tells Jeff Jarrett's going to be in action later. Um, they're all expecting him to join the NWO as well, which is interesting. Um, Meg... Meg, Meng sells um, the Chaos clotheslines, and then Meng and Mongo and Benoit and with Deborah come out to watch. Sorry, they uh, face the faces of fear at Halloween Havoc, and Barbarian hits a nice pump handle drop for a two. Meng with a sit out power bomb, and then slings the guy into Barbarian's boot for the one, two, three. This was a bit of a squash here. We then go to Mike Wenner taking on Glacier. Um, we've got the blue cane light again, which I love. A nice leg sweep from Glacier and a super kick, and then a plancher and a spin kick for the one, two, three, similar to sort of the Malachi Black, um, Alistair. Was it Alistair Black? I don't even know. Um, the the what does he even call it? Is it the Black Mass? The fake? I don't know. Um, you know, if you watch modern wrestling, you know the kick I'm talking about. Um, God. Um, we go to the hour two countdown as Glacier does his martial arts display in the ring after the match. Um, I think these little martial arts displays are a little bit long for my liking after the match too, by the way. A couple of little thrusts and, and moves and get out of there. We swap to the new commentary team of Heenan, Tanay, and Bischoff for hour two. Um... And then we go out to a commercial. We see, we hear when we come back that Bischoff says that Jeff Jarrett's asked for one shot on Nitro. Hugh Morris is then out to take on Jeff Jarrett. Um, the commentary team again selling that he's going to be going for the NWO. He's got some shit music as he comes out and outsmarts Hugh Morris and struts early. Um, drops a nice drop toe hold and then walks over the back of him. Morris comes back with a clothesline. Um, the commentary team are basically calling Jarrett the newest NWO member at this point. Um, Jarrett hits an inverted atomic, a clothesline, and a neckbreaker for a two, a dropkick for a two, and then locks in the figure four and picks up the clean submission victory. Tony Schiavone is then with Jeff Jarrett, and he makes his allegiances well known here, and I'll let you all have a listen. It was a most impressive debut here on WCW Monday Nitro for Jeff Jarrett making his World Championship Wrestling debut, but, and I say World Championship Wrestling, we saw you arrive in the black limousine. And it's apparent to all of the announcers that you are part of the NWO, but I need to ask you, are you another in the long line of these vandals that are coming out of the woodwork of the NWO? What's the story, Jeff Jarrett? Well, Tony Schiavone, I'm gonna give you the answer, and I'm gonna make a few statements in reply to a few things that Hulk Hogan has been saying the last couple of months. Tony Hulk Hogan, because I've had a few months off and I've had time to reflect and listen. And Hulk, you said that you were bigger than the wrestling industry itself. You said that you made the wrestling business. You said if it wasn't for you, that promoters like Vern Gagne in Minneapolis would have never existed that if it wasn't for you, that my father, Jared Jared, another promoter in Tennessee, if it wasn't for you, he wouldn't have existed. 
Well, you didn't put one meal on my father's table, and you damn sure didn't put any food on my table. No sirree. You know, it seems like you seem to forget about history. You forget you, Hulk Hogan. You started in Tennessee. Hogan, history might not mean anything to you. The names like Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, the Funks, the Briscoes, I could go on and on. History doesn't mean much to you, but it means something to me. So maybe Sting said it best a couple of weeks ago. Hulk Hogan, you and the rest of the NWO can stick it. How about that? Huh. How about that from Jeff Jarrett, ladies and gentlemen? What a statement here on Nitro, and we'll have more wow, after this timeout. There you have it. Jeff Jarrett sides with WCW, and not a bad babyface promo from him, actually. Didn't see that one coming. We then go to Arn Anderson taking on the Renegade. We get a backdrop and a slam from Renegade, and then the big Aloha Arn, which cracks me up um, for any of you that listen to OSW or, or watch OSW even better. Um, a big slam from Arn for a two and some wear down holds before Renegade hits a 10 punch and a handspring elbow. Tries a second time, but Arn just smashes him with a clothesline and a DDT for a two. Um, this gets a big pop from the crowd. Um, he then puts him in a tree of woe um, after... Oh, sorry, the DDT for the three, not the two. Jesus. Um, puts him in a tree of woe after the match and starts beating on him and Lex Luger comes out and chases him off. This match was a bit of a dud until the ending, but Arn really brought it at the end with that big clothesline and DDT. We then go to Lex taking on Dave Taylor. Dave Taylor decks Jeeves on his way to the ring. That's a bit weird. Um, something about Regal not being there and him not having to put up with him or something. Some chain wrestling and an inset promo from Lex. He wants Regal's TV title. Um, he's got Arn Anderson on the pay-per-view as well. Um, Lex Luger with a big um, corner clothesline and a forearm and then racks Dave Taylor for the win before Arn comes in on Lex's way to the back and nails him with a chair in the aisle way. We then go to Rick Steiner taking on Chris Benoit, who is out with Mongo and Deborah. We're told Scott's not out with Rick because he's hurt. Um, and Rick should... Uh, sorry, Scott comes out with Rick, but we're told he shouldn't be here because he's hurt. Um, Benoit with a nice beatdown early before Rick comes back with a clothesline, locks in a chin lock for a while, and then goes to a German as we go out to commercial. Benoit with a nice snap suplex for a two, and we see the NWO limo entering. Hulk Hogan and the Giant get off. Um, Hogan says he has some business to take care of and goes off in a different direction. Slam and a back suplex from Benoit each earn a two count. Um, this is a bit of a slow match, this one. Not as good as it could be for the two guys involved. Clothesline from Steiner and a chin lock from Benoit, then a slam and a top rope headbutt gets a two. Goes up again, but gets caught with an overhead belly-to-belly -belly suplex, which was really cool. A DDT from Steiner and a slam, and then um, hits a top rope bulldog for a two, which was awesome. Scott Steiner says the, the count was too slow, and we get a double clothesline with both guys down. Steiner's stopped the, um, stopped the briefcase coming into play and deck Mongo and then Benoit with it. And we get a 1-2-3 for Rick Steiner when the heels tried to cheat and the faces managed to beat them to the punch. Hulk Hogan is then back with the Nasty Boys and asks them to watch his back and says that Ted DiBiase has his contracts. Has their contracts, sorry. NWO is on a mission to collect titles, to collect belts. Hold it, hold it, hold it, go back! Backstage! 
just watch my back, brother. That's all you need to know, man. Just watch my back. What's happening? What's going on? What are you doing? What's happening? The bottom line is I got a problem with the macho man. I want to look him in the eye with nobody around. Just watch my back, okay? We'll watch your back, because I know you watch ours. Right, By the way, you got some NWO paperwork. Get the paperwork right here, guys. I know you're going to check it out, brother. What you were talking about? What yeah. you were talking about? That's it. Come on, let's go take a look at it. And if I hear this, I watch your back, you watch my back. Rap one more time, I'm going to carry it. I guess they're trying to tease that Hogan's ripping off the nasty boys there when he gives them the contracts and Nobbs is saying, oh, is this what we're talking about? Is it what we were talking about? Hogan with a little grin to the camera. It'll become a bit more apparent in weeks to come, I think. We go to our main event, which is Ric Flair versus the Macho Man, but it's just basically an NWO beatdown of Flair backstage so he never makes it to the ring, and they come out and attack Macho next, and Liz is made to watch its giant and Hogan beating the absolute shit out of him. Um, and they bring a monster truck out to destroy the commentary booth as well. Um, I ran through that in about 10 seconds, but it feels like it takes about 14 years. So really, really long ending. And this is sort of what I was alluding to at the start of the show today, that the NWO stuff, it's becoming a little bloated. And like it wasn't too heavy on this show. The promo in the crowd was a bit naff. Um, and the tease of like Jarrett joining them I thought was quite good but just these long ending segments and they've got to go to the ring beat down everyone destroy everyone paint them mug for the crowd and then they've always got to go to the commentary table and take that over as well so your main event instead of being a match ends up being like a 10 minute beat down plus you know make lame jokes at the commentary table every week and I think it'd be nice if just once in a while they actually got ran off to end the show or we had a cliffhanger or something but you know I think there's a bit too much rinse and repeat with the endings to Nitro going on here for my liking however that might not be enough for Raw to win because Raw wasn't exactly the best show either so let's go to the rankings how how about now Starting off with match quality this week, and as much as I enjoyed the Sid and Gold Dust match and the, and the angle that followed, Raw having the Sultan versus Aldo Montoya, two heel tag teams with no heat, and then fake Diesel in a match means I've got to go with Nitro. Nitro didn't do anything special in ring, but Harlem Heat and um, Public Enemy was okay. We, Lex Luger had a couple of good spots. Benoit and Steiner had a couple of good spots. Um, I always like seeing Glacier, and then you've got DDP with the you know evolution of the Diamond Cutter, so WCW takes out match quality. I'm going to give them crowd heat as well because some of the, you know, on Raw, Sid was over as fuck, but the crowd didn't give a shit for a lot of the rest of the show, sadly, and the NWO stuff is at fever pitch. They're slowly becoming the faces despite doing these long beatdowns, which I don't quite understand, but it's getting over nonetheless. Production quality, I'm actually going to split down the middle tie there. No significant, you know, misstep or giant leap for either show. As far as storylines go, I've got to probably still go with WCW. They're advancing the tag title storyline with the NWO. You've got Lex and Arn in a little storyline there. And you've got, you know, the Hogan, Macho, NWO stuff. And the Liz stuff as well is especially good. And then for characters, I've also got to go to WCW because they've got most of the main guys on the show, Bar Sting. And the WWF, at this point, with these hour-long roars, tends to feature about half its top guys each week. Um... Nitro obviously having two hours means it's got to put more of the stars on, but it does probably make for a more exciting show, and you know you're going to see something hot if your big guys are guaranteed to be there every week. That'll do it for today's show. Look out for the October 14 episodes of Raw and Nitro very soon, as well as Buried Alive versus 
Halloween Havoc, um, and then a couple of offshoots, as I mentioned at the start of the show. We don't yet have Thunder on the network, so Duncan and I can't continue on with SmackDown and Thunder, but um, if we can think of something else to do or find a time to catch up, we will still, you know, record some stuff together. And Richie and I have been chatting, and we're going to try and get back on the, the very original Raw episodes at some point in the near future as well. So lots more content coming your way. Thanks, everybody, for listening and bearing with me. And, you know, the irregularity of the show is something I've mentioned many, many times. I appreciate everyone sticking with us whenever we decide to drop. Have a great day wherever you're listening, um, and I will speak to you all again very, very soon.